Hi, I'm Michael Weber, Artistic Director of Chicago's Porchlight Music Theater. Today's a very special episode of classic musicals from the golden age of radio as we have unearthed a rare treasure for you with one of the great stars of movie musicals recreating one of her best-loved roles for audiences of the airwaves. And here to discuss the great Judy Garland and all things pertaining to Oz, we have two very special guests, each with connections to the wizard and the witches, as they are both veteran performers of one of today's best-loved Broadway musicals, Wicked. Heidi Kettenring, who played Nessa Rose in the first national company of Wicked, is a Jeff Award-winning actor who has toured nationally in Disney's Beauty and the Beast, and whose regional credits include roles at the Court Theater, Chicago Shakespeare, Indiana Repertory, Main State Music Theater, Fulton Theater, and Porchlight Music Theater, as well as noteworthy appearances in film and television. Sharon Sachs, who plays Madame Morrible in the currently running Broadway National Tour of Wicked, is a Jeff Award-winning actor and designer who has worked off-Broadway and in theaters nationally, including The Goodman, Steppenwolf, The Drury Lane, and Marriott Theater. She works extensively in films and television, including on the series Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Will and Grace, Episodes, Two Broke Girls, Dexter, Weeds, and more. Welcome to you both. Hi. <clears throat> Yay! Yay, indeed. Yay, because we're going to talk about The Wizard of Oz. And who doesn't like to talk about The Wizard of Oz? <clears throat> no one I know. No. So one or would care to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we start at the very beginning for each of you? What was your first memory of the movie version of The Wizard of Oz? How did it come into your life? Either one of you. Well, of course, for for many of us of a certain generation, you know, we watched it on the television when it came along, oh, yearly or maybe biannually, like uh, as a special event you know, near the holidays or such. But I can remember um, if it wasn't myself, it was a sister or brother that when the witch, the wicked witch would come on, they would hide around the backside of the television council. I mean, um, you know, because it was on wheels or what have you back in the day. Mm -hmm. Um was it one of those big ones that had a record player and a bar in it as well? <laughs> <laughs> we weren't that fancy, oh, okay. but I wish. Oh, I so wish. Um, but uh, I can remember be being young enough that that one of my siblings or me was terrified by certain sections of The Wizard of Oz. Um, but that didn't stop us from, of course, wanting to watch it and participate in Dorothy's journey over the rainbow. It just was an amazing story. I also had a neighbor who said, oh, I remember the year they colorized that movie. Oh, and wow. I was like, question mark, question mark, what? But it's because she, her family only had a black and white television. And so the year that they got a colored TV, she thought that they had colorized a section of <laughs> Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's what I'm saying. It has been on television uh, and, and we had to wait for it. You know, nowadays you can just stream or call things up at any moment. But 
we had to wait for the viewing. It was before they sold videos or any of that. So it has been in my matrix. Maybe it's one of the first events I remember watching on television that I had a memory of immediately. Like the second time I watched it, I remember I had a memory of it, you know? It's interesting because, you know, people ask now what your favorite current music or, or film is. And it's hard for me to pull that up because the, nothing is, um, is urgent that w- in that way. You can, you can pull up a song within 10 seconds or a film. But with The Wizard of Oz, it was the same. Like, I'm sure it wasn't, but it feels like it was either Thanksgiving Day or Christmas Day or some such thing that, that it was in the TV guide that you knew that The Wizard of Oz was coming on <laughs> and you planned your week around that event and and every time it was on tv we watched it and also we had a vcr uh for my family we were pretty early because my dad worked in television and we had a really crappy um grainy copy of the wizard of oz um i'm not sure how we got that i I would i would say it probably broke copyright uh infringement somewhere Um, but I watched it over and over again. And similarly, the witch didn't scare me until the, the scene in the, um, when Dorothy has been captured and when Auntie M turns into the witch, Mm -hmm. I I, I don't know that I was ever able to actually watch that moment. Uh, because probably by the time I was old enough to not be scared by it, I didn't really watch it so much anymore, but I would just you mean, you mean when she's looking in the glass thing and the fa- the globe or whatever, and the face of Aunt Em turns into the witch going, yes. when, when oh. she's going, Dorothy, Dorothy, and then it just, oh, Auntie Emmett. Oh, it's just horrifying. And, and, I'm and it's like the camera gets really close and it gets right up into her face. And then it, the, sh- the scene shifts just at the most crucial moment, but it was terrifying to me. Yes. So the terrifying. Effects, and the effects totally worked. Oh yeah. The because then it faded effects. out to like the Winkies or something, you know, marching or whatever the next scene was, but it literally cut right out of it into some other scenes. So it gave you the moment to sort of catch your breath while the three friends were being silly in their Winky costumes. Heidi, I, I totally agree with you. That 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 for me as a little kid was the moment that I went over the couch. But also, <laughs> I, Sharon, I, I was also one of those people who watched it on a black and white television. And even then, I knew that was an old instrument. But uh, correct, I, correct. I watched it on, in black and white too for the for the very first time. Do you oh, recall, sure we did. Was there a difference in the black and white when the color happened? Like, the did the black? black- like, was there a difference in the black yes. and white when the color happened? Like, did yes. the black like it sharper? Well, because this it was it went from black and white to sepia to something, and so you could tell that there was some little change happening, but you had no idea really what it was. Sure, you know. Yeah. Well, they. I mean, when and here's the thing. Usually, when we we do these pre-show things, we talk a lot about the background. But I mean, it's more interesting about the making of the film. It's more interesting to me to hear your experience with the film. But one thing about that point, Heidi, is that when they released the film originally in 1939, they used that sepia device, and that set was lit. You know, when she goes through the door, it's it's a body double who opens the door and then she steps in. But that set and her costume was costumed to match the sepia tone that they were going to f- release the rest of the film in. When the film was re-released a number of years later, MGM didn't bother to do the sepia tone. So 
the beginning was in black and white. So at that little moment, when she goes to the door, it does, it switched to like this weird color sepia tone. You could tell there was something going on because it, and then when she opens the door, it's in color. It's such a simple magician's trick now. Oh, how bizarre. Yeah. But unless you actually have the film in sepia tone, you lose that, you know, the, the, the moment gets revealed. Well, there. the transition becomes obvious. Yeah. 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 Now what were, when what were your favorite part what were the parts that 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 stuck with you that made you want to come back ever we know everybody always goes to what scared the hell out of them what were the things that you were like that is is ingrained in me in terms of something i loved from the very beginning it's interesting isn't it when we're young fear is such a strong pull that that's the stuff you remember most Mm -hmm. um it's and I guess across the board, you know, with anything, but um, I have to say probably right away when I was a kid, it was the friendships and also those red shoes, those glorious shoes that were magic. You know what I'm saying? And the supporting cast did such a great job um, telling that story. Uh, I also loved the theatrical gimmick of like Frank Morgan playing more than one role. And I would like look for, could I recognize him as something else? And could I recognize that, oh my gosh, the scarecrow is, you know, the Huck or whoever, whichever, I can't remember which one it is. But I think those sort of theatrical tricks Mm -hmm. were um, childish enough that I understood it and and then I felt like an adult watching it. I was, I was in on the story, you know, like I was in on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it made me feel smart. And, um, you know, who doesn't like to, to, to feel something familiar and make you feel welcomed? Mm-hmm. I, 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 and I, I think that's a lot about, too, uh, even with uh, Heidi, I'm sure you could say this about Wicked. It's like when the, when the show marries up with the movie, it's, there's something already familiar about these characters and so people, um, you know, are drawn to see it again and again. And I, I think that's what it was. There was a instantly a familiarity with it. And, and also not everything was shown over and over again, you know? So I was drawn to it because it's like, oh, I know that. And I'm comfortable now, you know, it was it's home. It was part of home. Way. It is a part of home. It's interesting yeah. that you put it that way because it, it felt like even as a kid, I was in on it that, that. Um, I didn't, I, I'm sure I didn't consciously feel like, oh, they're, they're including me because kids don't feel that way, but I felt included. So like the thing, and what's funny, it makes sense that I ended up in in the theater career. The things that stick out to me are very theatrical. Like I didn't think at the time, oh, I love the score, but the things that pop out in my brain are the, first of all, the moment when the, tr- when the house lands and she goes, oh. <laughs> for some reason is like maybe my favorite part of the whole movie just that mo- oh that it's this horrible thing that has happened and it's like huh what happened you know it's like no big deal and then she walks to the door oh I'm gonna cry even thinking about it and that ah, as she opens the door is so clear in my mind and then this set that is clearly a set you know, even as a kid, like it was either animated movies or 
Like I think of my favorite movies when I was a kid, it was like the animated Cinderella and Oliver and Oliver was clearly a film, but this was something kind of in the middle. It was the sets. You could see the edge of the set. You could see the plastic of the flowers. You could see that it was made by somebody's hands. Yes. It was, but I still bought it and wanted to live there. Yeah. So it felt like make-believe kind of, it kind of was like, you know, going into Mr. Rogers's land of make-believe. It was obviously make-believe, but not make-believe. Like you really believed it. So like I, the memories of her walking onto the, where the trees are, when she meets the tin man, you sort of see the edge of the trees and she walks up and it looks like a fake tree, but it's not, it's a person in there. There's a mouth and those are the things that really stick out that I, that I knew even as a kid, is it real? Is she dreaming? That's real. It's actually real. And then you'd see like the poppy and the poppy didn't look real. Just, just the whole time. And no scene was too long. You'd get wrapped up into something, then it would shift and then it would shift. And then you met this friend and then you met this friend. And uh, you know, I think of things I loved as a kid, there were things I didn't want to, I'd get bored and I, I never got bored. There wasn't a, even in the sepia that just kept shifting enough that I kept pulling me in and pulling me in um, to the point that I probably watched it 50 times. Well, it's those performances, isn't it? I mean, those amazing committed performances Yeah, uh, from beginning to end there, there, there isn't a slacker in the bunch. Not a one. You touched on something. I think that, uh, came surprising to us as children is and I remember it being a very emotional film. I remember crying as a little oh, yeah, when definitely. she had to leave when she was saying oh. goodbye to everyone. I remember crying at at and I still do especially at the wizard's speech to the tin man. Uh a heart will never be, you know, uh yeah. practical until it's unbreakable. Um, there were just so many emotional moments in it that they invited children to have emotions, to be yes. terrified, to to feel loss of of saying goodbye, to feel fear of of losing their parental figure, of Auntie M, Auntie Dorothy, where are you? Where are you? you know the, those? They really you know trusted children to be able to process all this, or maybe they didn't even know they were just being reckless right. and right. you know. <laughs> Well, maybe they, I think it's interesting you said maybe they didn't know, but because I, I don't know that necessarily programming was created for children. I remember even with Looney Tunes and my dad would say, you know, we're watching it and cracking up. And then like, you know, the Roadrunner would come on and then my dad would start laughing. And we'd be kind of quiet and watching, but my dad would start cracking up and he would say, when you get older, you're going to like this one more. Oh, or you're yeah. going to like this one the best. It's sort of that thing where they created things that were just uh, good storytelling. And um, it it just happened that the content was something that children would enjoy. But I don't think they built it for children at all. Mm. And and as a child watching it, I still felt, and I like the word included. And it, it, even you said, you they included us by making, you know, like, like making the munchkins small people, uh, you know, even though they are obviously, but, but making it accessible and including, um, including our hearts in it, knowingly or unknowingly, it, it, it just works. Yeah. 
and and it starts it starts when they set up a family unit that is that is not even a you know a, a normal sort of family. She's living with her aunt and uncle on a farm, and her best friends are like three straight, uh, farmhands, you know. So they set up this offset or reimagined family unit that isn't something that we specifically recognized until, uh, thank goodness, in our lifetime, we recognize the chosen family, you know, but that wasn't when I was growing up, that was not the norm, nor, nor was that what was taught to be the norm. You know, we've, we've shifted those gears, but this was, that story was written how long ago? And they could have made that story not about her parents or what have you. So we already know that there's some kind of emotion and drama underneath this character of Dorothy. And then there's a tornado. Oh my God, the tornado. Tornado. Scary. Yeah. Let's come back. Let's come back and talk about all this. Let's let's give the show a listen right now because uh, it's a really interesting find. This is from the December 25th, 1950 episode of the Lux Radio Theater, featuring a number of familiar voices from films, radio, and television, including Hans Conried, who you'll recognize his voice as Disney's Captain Hook as the Scarecrow, Betty Lou Gerson, who later went on to play Disney's Cruella de Vil as Glinda, Herb Vigren, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be very clear where I know Herb Vigren from. It's from the Brady Bunch episode where the kids get the green stamps. Yes, girls go and they it. and they get the the sewing machine, and he sewing was machine. the man who who operated the green stamp store, who was so frustrated <laughs> that he had to open up the store. That's who Herb Bygren is. You'll you'll hear his voice, and you'll immediately think the Brady Bunch. But he was also he played Novello in the in in um the uh, the uh, in in White Christmas. He's the guy who owns the restaurant that brings in Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye and sits them at their table when they meet. Sure. The two gals doing sisters, sisters. So now starring at age 28, 11 years after she appeared in the MGM film version of the story is Judy Garland herself once again in The Wizard of Oz. Lux presents Hollywood. Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, Bring you the Lux Radio Theater, starring Judy Garland in The Wizard of Oz. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. William Keeley. Holiday greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. I trust you've all had a perfect Christmas. Wonderful presents, uh, too much dinner, and lots of merry company. But sometime during the day, I'm sure you've said Christmas really belongs to the children. And so before they have to leave their toys and cowboy suits, we want to tell them a story. And you'll want to listen, too, because it's The Wizard of Oz, one of those wonderful Oz books that we've all loved since they were written by L. Frank Baum 50 years ago. Metro-Golden-Mare turned The Wizard of Oz into a screen classic and a lovely little singer into a star, one of the most talented stars of Hollywood, Judy Garland. Audiences have asked that to be brought back again and again to be entranced by Judy's performance and those fascinating Oz characters, the Scarecrow, the Tin Woodsman, the Cowardly Lion, and the delightful little people, the Munchkins. 
Now it's off to the Wizard of Oz, starring Judy Garland as Dorothy. This is the story of a girl named Dorothy, who lives with her aunt and uncle on a farm way out in Kansas. Her dearest friend is her dog, Toto. But Dorothy has other friends, too. The farmhands, for instance. Zeke and Honk and Hickory. Hey, what's your hurry, honey? What's wrong? It's Toto, Hickory. Toto. Toto? Something wrong with that dog? Well, he looks fine to me. Well, he he is, Zeke, but he almost wasn't. Miss Gulch hit him just because he gets in her garden and chases her nasty old cat. Oh, sure, honey, sure. Only we're busy, see? I got them hogs to get in. Now, look, Dorothy, you just ain't using your head about that mean old Miss Gulch. You'd think you didn't have a brain at all. Hunk, I have so got brains. Well, use a man. When you're walking home with Toto, just keep away from Miss Gulch's place. Your head ain't made of straw, you know. Gosh, Dorothy, that Miss Gulch ain't nobody to be afraid of. Have a little courage, that's all. Courage, see? Why, sure. You know, like like me. Well, look who's talking. You, courage. There ain't a man in the county who scares easier than you. Well, well, uh, that's a fine thing to say. Look out, see, that pig's gonna bite you. Where? What pig? Help, help! <laughs> you see what I mean? <laughs> now, cut that out. Scaring a man half to death like that. Here, now, here. What's all this jabber weapon when there's work to be done? It's about Toto, Eddie M. Miss Gulch says she's going to go and get the sheriff and then... Hunk, I thought you and Hickory were supposed to be fixing that wagon. Oh, we are, Miss Gale. Hammer that ranch, Hickory. And feed them hogs, Eke, before they worry themselves into anemia. Yes, ma'am. Now then, child, what's your trouble? Eddie M., really, do you know what Miss Gulch said she was going to do to Toto? She said she was going to... There go- you go again imagining things. You know, you always get yourself into a fret over nothing. Oh, but this time... Now, you just help us all out this afternoon. Find yourself a place where you won't get into any trouble. I gotta get back in the house. Yes, Andy, I'm... <sighs> Come on, Toto. <laughs> Do you suppose there is such a place, Toto? Where there isn't any trouble? There must be. Not a place you can get to by a boat or a train... But it's far, far away, behind the moon, beyond the rain, somewhere over the rainbow, way up high, there's a land that I heard. That you dare to dream really do come true. Someday I wish upon a star and wake up where the clouds are far behind me, where troubles melt like lemon drops away above the chimney tops. That's where.
Surely you don't mean that. Why, that little dog... That dog's a menace to the community. I'm taking that animal to the sheriff and make sure he's destroyed. Destroyed? Oh, no, no, please. You mustn't... Uh, Honey, we didn't know you were there. Toto didn't know he was doing anything wrong. I'm the one who ought to be punished, Uncle Henry. I let him go in her garden. There's a law protecting folks against animals like that. No, no, please. We can't go against the law, Dorothy. Now you're being smart. Give him to me. No, I won't let you take him. I won't. You're a witch, a wicked old witch. Dorothy. Oh, please, Annie. M, please. Oh, I got him at last. And there's nothing any of you can do about it. Toto! Toto! Now, come on, Dorothy. Cheer up, honey. Please, honey. I don't feel like talking. Not to anybody. Not even to Toto? Oh, you know he's gone. You know Miss Gulch took him away. I know something else, too, honey. Toto must have jumped out of her basket and run back home because there's a little brown and white dog looking all over for you. Oh, oh, Toto. Toto, you're back. Toto, Toto. You came back to me, Toto. Oh, I thought you were dead. They'll be coming after you. Miss Gulch and the sheriff, maybe. We've got to run away. Now, Toto, where no one will ever find us or, or, or take you away again. Yes, Toto, we've got to run away. It's getting dark, Toto. I, I think maybe there's a storm coming. But we'll just keep going, won't we? We're not afraid. It's... It's just like Zeke said. Courage. I see what you mean. A wagon. A horse in a wagon and, and a man. And there's a big sign on the wagon. Wait, I think I can see what it says. Professor Marvel. Acclaimed by the crowned heads of Europe. Let him read your past, present, and future in his crystal. Well, who might you be? Uh, I guess it's all right, Toto. He... He looks like a nice man. Well, if you're not going to tell me who you are, suppose I tell you. But how can you? <laughs> Professor Marvel knows all, tells all. Your past, present, and future for 25 cents, a quarter of a dollar. Uh, two bits, if you prefer. Oh, I'm sorry, but I don't think I can afford it. Oh, so your name's Dorothy, is it? How did you know that? Well, on the one hand, perhaps I saw you in my crystal, and on the other hand, perhaps a fellow named Zeke. Passed by a while ago looking for you. Oh, 
I see. Uh, but don't you think for one minute I couldn't have figured it out for myself why Professor Marvel and his magic crystal have amazed royalty and peasantry alike the world over? Oh, please, Professor, can't we go with you and see all the crowned heads of Europe? Oh, do you know any? Oh, uh, you, you, you mean the sign on my wagon? I, I don't suppose you could take just a, a little look in your magic crystal for me... For nothing, I mean. Matter of fact, young lady, I already have. Oh, just practicing, you understand. And you know what I saw? What? A woman. Tears in her eyes. Careworn. A woman looking for someone. And her name is... Uh... Uh, Auntie M? Kindly allow me to supply the answers. Her name is Annie M. Someone has almost broken her heart. Me? Well, someone she loved very much. And then just before the crystal went dark, I, I saw her put her hand over her heart and drop, drop down on the floor. Oh, no. No. You don't suppose she could really be sick, do you? Oh, I, I've got to go home right away. Go home? I thought you were going along with me. Oh, but I've got to get to her right away. Toto, come on, Toto, we're going up. Goodbye, Professor, and thank you. Don't waste any time. There's a windstorm blowing up. Oh, poor little kid. Hope she gets home all right. through the sky, barns and buggies, and there goes our chicken roost. Toto, we're caught in a cyclone. We're right up inside the middle of a cyclone. What? But there's old Mr. Gallagher in his rowboat. Mr. Gallagher! Howdy, Miss Dorothy. Kind of breezy, ain't it? And Uncle Henry's heifer. Bossy! Bossy! I, I don't understand this at all. Things are flying around so fast that I can... I can... Look! Miss Gulch! <laughs> now she's on a broomstick. She is a witch. Don't worry, Toto. I won't let her... You stop moving, Toto. We're standing still. Well, we can't stand still up in the middle of the air. We're going to fall. We are falling. We're falling. We're falling. We're But where? Where where are we? Oh, it's a regular little village. And look, houses and streets and trees and fountains. Yes, you're quite right. That is our house over there. We must have bounced out when we landed. But what place is this? I have a feeling we're being watched. I have another feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Well, we must be over the rainbow. Toto, look. There's a big bubble coming down the street, and and there's someone inside it. A lady, and she's stepping out of it. Oh, now I know we're not in Kansas. Tell me, please, are you a good witch or a bad witch? Me? Oh, I'm I'm not a witch at all. I'm Dorothy Gale from Kansas. Oh. Well, I am a little muddled. The munchkins just summoned me because... The, munchkins? 
You happen to be standing in the very center of their village, you know. And uh, they sent for you? Because some new witch has just dropped a house on the Wicked Witch of the East. See? Over there. Oh, but that's our farmhouse from, from Kansas. Now look where I point my wand. <gasps> Two red slippers. Exactly. Two red slippers protruding from under the farmhouse. All that's left of the Wicked Witch of the East. And since it's your farmhouse, obviously you're responsible. Oh, you've made the munchkins very happy, my dear. If, uh, if you please, what are munchkins? The little people who live in this land. It's munchkin land, and you are now their national heroine. And who are you? Why, I'm Glinda, of course. The Witch of the North. Witch? But you're beautiful. Thank you. You see, only bad witches are ugly, and I'm considered a very good witch. Now, suppose I call the munchkins. Come out, come out, wherever you are, and meet the young lady who fell from a star. She fell from a star, she fell very far, and Kansas, she says, is the name of the star. Well, munchkins, have you nothing to say to her? Where's the mayor? Oh, there you are. Uh, first of all, Miss Dorothy, a little floral tribute. Oh, what beautiful flowers. Oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, there will be, of course, a parade and general celebration with a brass band and a regiment of cavalry. Meanwhile, oh, let the joyous news be spread. The wicked old witch at last is dead. Ding dong, the witch is dead. Witch, oh, witch, the wicked witch. Ding dong, the wicked witch is dead. Wake up, you sleeping head. is her sister, the Wicked Witch of the West. And she's even worse than the other one. Silence! I demand silence! It's Miss Gulch! That's who it is, Miss Gulch! Hard of hearing, are you? I said silence. Now then, who killed my sister? Was it you? No, no, it was an accident. I didn't mean to kill anyone. Well, my little pretty, I can cause accidents too. Aren't you forgetting the ruby slippers? The slippers? My sister's slippers. There they are, still on her feet over there. Well, I'll just take them. Just a moment, if you please. Ruby slippers, slippers red. Leave the feet of she who's dead. I summon my authority and bid you serve Miss Dorothy. The slippers. What are you doing to them? Now they're on my feet. You give them back to me. Never. There they are, and there they'll stay. You nasty little girl. They're of no use to you. Don't be frightened of a Dorothy. You stay out of this, Glinda. I'll fix you as well. Rubbish. You have no power here. Be gone before somebody drops a house on you, too. Very well. I'll bide my time. As for you, my fine lady... You heard what she said. Be gone. I'll get you yet, my pretty. And your little dog, too. <laughs> Away, broomstick! Away! It's all right, munchkins. Don't hide your faces. She's gone. <laughs> Now then, my dear, 
The sooner you get out of Oz, the safer you'll sleep. Oh, I'd give anything to get out of Oz. But how? Which is the way back to Kansas? Kansas? The only person who might know would be the great and wonderful Wizard of Oz himself. The Wizard of Oz? Is he good or is he wicked? Oh, very good, but very mysterious. He lives far off in the Emerald City. Uh, did you by any chance bring your broomstick with you? Uh, no, I'm afraid I didn't. Well, then you'll have to walk. The munchkins will see you safely to the border. And remember, never let those ruby slippers off your feet, or you'll be at the mercy of the wicked witch of the West. But, but how do I start for the Emerald City? All you have to do is follow that yellow brick road. Help our munchkins, the yellow brick road. Helpers, attention! Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow, 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 follow the yellow brick road. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. We hear he is a wizard, a whiz, if ever a whiz there was. If ever, oh, ever a whiz there was, the wizard of Oz is one because, 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 because of the wonderful things he does. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz! In a few moments, we'll bring you Act Two of The Wizard of Oz. And now, here is our Hollywood reporter, Libby Collins, to give us the Lux Radio Theater's movie news of the week. Tonight, John, it's the new Howard Hughes production, Vendetta, starring a lovely newcomer to Hollywood. She's Faith Demerg, and she's been given just the role her dark, exotic beauty calls for. This RKO picture tells the story of a family feud in old-time Corsica, and Faith plays the girl who vows to avenge her father's murder. Quite an intense melodrama, Libby. Isn't that a terrific set they built for the dueling scene? Oh, yes, indeed. No California landscape could quite convey the bleakness of that wild Corsican country. So they built the whole thing on a soundstage. Faith Domergue is photographed in dark costumes throughout. Of course, they set off her startling beauty all the more. There's a highly dramatic, uh, exciting quality about her acting, too. Well, she's quite a perfectionist, you know. Spent years of study before attempting her first screen role. And John... Faith Demerig is a perfectionist about beauty, too. Naturally, her skin has to look soft and smooth in the close-ups. That's why she depends on daily facials with Lux Toilet Soap. She says it's a care that really works. Lux Soap is just right to protect delicate skin, Libby. No wonder so many famous stars say they wouldn't be without this gentle soap. Yes, John. Active lather does wonders for the skin. It's so easy to take a Lux Soap facial, too. You just smooth the rich lather well in, rinse with warm water, follow with a quick cold rinse, and pat with a soft towel to dry. It works like a charm to give your complexion quick new beauty. Yes, Libby, that's a tip for smart women everywhere. For thorough, protecting care, there's nothing finer than Lux Toilet Soap. When you see Faith Domergue in Howard Hughes' exciting new picture, Vendetta, notice the smooth perfection of her skin. You'll want to try her daily active lather facials. So why not get Hollywood's own beauty soap tomorrow? Remember, nine out of ten screen stars use fragrant white Lux toilet soap. Now, Mr. William Keeley, our producer. Act two of The Wizard of Oz, starring Judy Garland as Dorothy. Dorothy. <laughs> 
With the magic slippers on her feet, her dog Toto at her heels, and the little munchkins marching on ahead, Dorothy is on her way to the Wizard of Oz. They've reached the border of Munchkinland, and the little people have waved goodbye and disappeared. Well, Toto, now what? <laughs> We're still on the yellow brick road, but now it goes in two different directions. Which way do we go? Pardon me, but that way's a very nice way. Who, who said that? <laughs> oh, don't be silly, Toto. That's just a scarecrow in the cornfield. Scarecrows don't talk. On the other hand, that way is very pleasant also. Why, he did talk. Is there anything so unusual about that? Well, yes, there is. And why do you shake your head? I mean, both yes and no at the same time. Oh, that's my trouble. I never can make up my mind about anything. <laughs> oh? The fact is, I haven't got a brain. Take a look at my head, you see? It's straw. Just straw like the rest of me. But how can you talk if you don't have a brain? Oh, some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. <laughs> Don't they? Yes, I guess you're right. Oh, what's he doing, your dog? Toto, why, he's licking your hand. Oh, that's what I thought. I, I guess I don't scare him, huh? <laughs> no, of course not. Yeah, I can't even scare a crow. They come from miles around. They pick off my straw for their nest. It's not at all flattering. <laughs> I'm, I'm a failure just because I haven't got a brain. Well, what would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could... I could while away the hours Conferring with the flowers Consulting with the rain And my head I'd be scratching While my thoughts were busy hatching If I only had a brain I'd unravel every riddle For any individual In trouble or in pain with the thoughts you'd be thinking you could be another Lincoln if you only had a brain. Oh, I could tell you why the ocean's near the shore. I could think of things I never thought before. And then I'd sit and think some more. I would not be just a nothing, my head all full of stuffing, my heart all full of pain. And perhaps I'd deserve you and be even worthier of you if I only had a brain. Wonderful. Just imagine a scarecrow singing and dancing. Why, if our scarecrow back in Kansas could do that... What's Kansas? Well, that's where Toto and I come from. And I want to get back there so badly that I'm going all the way to the Emerald City to get the Wizard of Oz to help me. A wizard? Do you think if I went along, he could give me some brains, maybe? Oh, I think you'd better stay here. I've got a witch mad at me, and you might get into trouble. Oh, but I'm not afraid of a witch. I'm not afraid of anything. Oh, except maybe a lighted match. Well, since you're made out of straw, I can hardly blame you for that. Oh, won't you take me with you, please? Of course I will. Gladly. Oh, Ray, I'm going to leave the cornfield. And see a wizard, I hope. So what are we waiting for? <laughs> We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. We hear he is a wizard of wizard. Scarecrow. Huh? Do, do you see what I see? 
Well, not knowing what you see, how can I say that what I see is what you... Wait a minute. Look, over there. That's just what I mean at the edge of the forest. It's a man. A man made out of tin and holding an axe. Come on, Dorothy. Be careful, please. You too, Tony. Look here. Here on the grass. An oil can. Did you say something? Oh, no. He did. Oil can! He said oil can. He wants me to oil him. My mouth! He said his mouth. All right, just a minute now. Oh, my goodness! Oh, joy! Oh, bliss! I can talk again! I can talk. Oh, oh, my arms, please. My elbows. Oh, oh that's wonderful, wonderful. A- am, I, am I doing it right? Oh, yes, yes. What a relief. I've held this axe up for ages. But my goodness, how did you ever get like this in the first place? Oh, well, uh, about a year ago, I was chopping that tree when suddenly it began to rain. I rusted so solid, I haven't been able to move since. Well, you're perfect now. Perfect. Just bang on my chest if you think I'm perfect. Go ahead, bang on it. Beautiful. What an echo. You see? Empty. The tinsmith forgot to give me a heart. No No heart. heart. No heart. Oh. All hollow. And believe me, not having a heart, well, presents problems. When a man's an empty kettle, he should be on his metal, and yet I'm torn apart. Just because I'm presuming that I could be kind of human if I only had a heart. I'd be tender, I'd be gentle, and awful sentimental regarding love and art. I'd be friends with the sparrows and the boy that shoots the arrows if I only had a heart. Picture me a balcony above, a voice sings low, wherefore art thou, Romeo? I hear a beat. How sweet just to register emotion, jealousy, devotion, and really feel the part. I'd stay young and chipper, and I'd lock it with a zipper if I only had a heart. Well, I certainly see what you mean. You were whispering, you and him, while I was singing. Well, we were just wondering if you'd care to go with us to the Emerald City. Then you could ask the Wizard of Oz for a heart. But suppose he wouldn't... Give me one when we got there. Oh, but he will. He must. We've come such a long way already. Ah, you call that long, my pretty? Why, you've just begun. (laughs) Who's that? Who's laughing? The witch, the wicked witch. Well, my two fine gentlemen, helping the little lady along, are you? Well, stay away from her. Oh, oh, yeah? Stuff a mattress with you, you straw man. And you, I'll use that tin carcass for a... Beehive! <laughs> Gosh, what a witch. Wanna play ball, Scarecrow? Well, here. Catch. No, no, look out, it's a ball of fire. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Stand still. Stand still. I'll stamp out the fire with my ten feet. There. You can move now. Oh, much obliged, Tin Woodsman. Oh, yes, we both are. But 
I'm still not afraid of her. I'll see that you get safely to the wizard now, whether I get a brain or not. Stuff a mattress with me. Ha! Hmm. And I'll see that you reach the wizard whether I get a heart or not. Oh, you're the best friends anybody ever had. And it's funny, but I feel as if I'd known you all the time. You're just like Hunk and, and, and Hickory. But I, I couldn't have known you, could I? I certainly don't see how. I guess it doesn't really matter. We know each other now, all right. That's right. We do. Then to us. To us. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. We hear he is the wizard of a prince, if ever a prince ever was. Does anybody happen to know where we are? Oh, the, that's easy. We're in a forest. And I don't like it. It's so dark and, and creepy. Toto, Toto, come back. Stay on the path. He sees something behind that bush. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so do I. I think I do, too. It's a lion. A lion. He's coming this way. Stay where you are. Ah! <laughs> Put him up. Put up your fists. Ah! I'll fight you with one paw tied behind my back. I'll fight you standing on one foot. Stand up and fight. Ah! I'll swallow you first, you little peewee dog. Shame on you. You let that little dog alone. Let him alone. <laughs> no. Why did you have to slap me for? <laughs> I didn't bite him. <laughs> Look, the lion. He's crying. Well, you tried to bite him. Well, you didn't have to go and hit me, did you? <laughs> Is my nose bleeding? Oh, of course not. My goodness, you're nothing but a great big coward. <laughs> you're right, I'm a coward. I haven't any courage at all. <laughs> Do you suppose the wizard would help him, too? I don't see why not. Why don't you come with us, Lion? We're on our way to see the Wizard of Oz and get the Tin Woodsman a heart. And him a brain. And I'm sure he could give you some courage. <laughs> well, wouldn't you feel degraded to be seen in the company of a cowardly lion? <laughs> I would. <laughs> no, of course not. Here, you, you better take my handkerchief. Thank you. <laughs> You've been so nice to me. Now, please stop crying. I'll try. But, but how did you get this way in the first place, Lion? Well, if you can spare the time, it, it was like this. Yes, it's sad, believe me, Missy, when you're born to be a sissy without the vim and verb. But I could show my prowess, be a lion, not a mouse, if I only had the nerve. I'm afraid there's no denying, I'm just a dandelion, a fate I don't deserve. I'd be brave as a blizzard. I'd be gentle as a lizard. I'd be clever as a gizzard. If the wizard is a wizard who will serve, then I'm sure to get a brain, a heart, a home, the nerve. 
and let's be on our way without any more delay. That's just what I was going to say. <laughs> We're up to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. We hear he is a wizard of Oz. Ah, little do they know I, too, was hiding in the forest. I'll still get those ruby slippers, and then my power will be the greatest in Oz. And woe to those who try to stop me. I'm all broomstick away! Look, everybody, look! Emerald City, oh, at last, at last! Emerald City, eh? Gosh. It's all green. And with charts and towers, and look how big it is. But how do we get in? This wall goes all around everything. Most certainly does. Look at the top of the wall. Oh, who are you? That's my question. Who are you? Well, if you'll let us in, we'll be glad to tell you. Let you in, huh? Well, you look harmless enough. Open the gates of Emerald City. We can go in. The gates are opening. Well, that's the general idea of gates, isn't it? <laughs> Kindly step forward and state your business. Uh, we want to see the wizard, please. Uh, the, 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 the wizard? Oh, but nobody can see the great Oz. Nobody's ever seen the great Oz. Even I have never seen him. Oh, please. The good witch of the north sent me here. Prove it. She's wearing the ruby slippers she gave me, you see? Well, bust my buttons. So she is. Then you'll take us to the wizard? There you go again. Wizard. Uh, well, uh, well, yeah, of course, uh, wizard. Uh, meanwhile, you'd all better wait. I beg your pardon, sir. Well, well, what is it now? Good grief, man, can't you? I you're wanted, I mean... sir, in the public square. Uh, who, who wants The me? entire population of Emerald City. There's something going on, sir, and I don't like the looks of it. No, no, no. What's everyone so excited about? Don't you see? I'm there in the sky. Huh? Well, that's quite a trick, isn't it? Dorothy, it's sky riding. Letters of black smoke all across the sky. Well, what does it say? It's the Wicked Witch. It says, it says, surrender, Dorothy. <laughs> Dorothy? Dorothy? <laughs> the wizard will explain it to the wizard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody's going to bother the wizard now. The great and powerful Oz has the situation well in hand, I hope. So you can all go home. Go on, scatter. You draw flies. But if you please, sir, we want to see the wizard right away. Certainly not. Not nobody, not no how. But she's Dorothy. The witch is Dorothy? Nope, not even you. Oh, please. Please, it's the, it's the only way I'll ever be able to get home. Not nobody, not know how. Annie M was so good to me, and I never appreciated it. Running away, hurting her feelings. What's that? Professor Marvel said she was sick. She may be dying, and it, it's all my fault. <laughs> I'll get you to the wizard somehow. <laughs> He's crying, too. Oh, you see, I, I had an Aunt M once myself. Oh, this is all highly irregular, but just follow me. Gosh, 
He just left us in this chamber. It's so dark and echoey, huh? He said the wizard would be waiting for us. <laughs> I'm closing my eyes. You, you just tell me when it's all over. <laughs> Silence! Who was that? I am uh, the great and powerful. We can't see anybody. Silence! You shall never see me. But if you please, we we must tell you something. Nobody ever tells me anything. I know everything. You, your little girl wants to go home. And you, Tinfaz? Yes, Your Honor. Clinking and clattering for the heart. And you? Me, your wizardry? A billowing veil of Bolton's breakfast will beg for a break. And you, Ryan? Oh. He's fainted. Well, lie, lie, wake up. The wizard will be awfully mad. Oh, you it? ought to be ashamed of yourself. I, 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 Frightening the poor cowardly lion like that when he came to you for help. Silence! The beneficent arts have every intention of granting your request. But you must first prove worthy. Oh, we will. We'll do anything. Very well. Bring me the broomstick on the wicked witch of the west. Oh, but but if we do that, why we'll have to kill her to get it. Bring me her broomstick and I'll grant your request. Well, what if she kills us first? <laughs> Leave the great gate of Emerald City. Follow the arrow clock on the forest. And heads to the witch's castle. Now go, go, and return if you can. The haunted forest, the witch's castle. Well, I, I guess there's nothing else to do but go. That's the spirit, Dorothy. Come on, lion. We're not afraid. We'll get that old And they think I don't know about it. They think they'll take me by surprise. Ah, at last I'll have them in my power. The little girl, her nasty dog, and the magic ruby slippers. <laughs> In just a few moments, we'll bring you Act Three of The Wizard of Oz. I particularly want you to meet our guest for tonight, uh, Paula Stone, writer-producer for MGM Radio Attractions. She'll bring us news of the world premiere in Hollywood last Wednesday of Metro-Golden-Mare's great picture, The Magnificent Yankee. As commentator at the premiere, you interviewed the many stars who attended, didn't you, Paula? Yes, I did, Mr. Keeley. It was one of the most thrilling evenings I've experienced. Over a hundred stars were there. To cheer for Louis Calhoun and Anne Harding, of course. Oh, yes. Everyone was so enthusiastic about the picture. And the superb performance turned in by Louis Calhoun as Justice Holmes and Anne Harding as his devoted wife. There's a picture as rousing as a brass band. The distinguished career of one of our greatest men is presented in the authentic atmosphere of our nation's capital. Why, you actually feel the march of stirring events. It's an exciting treatment of our recent history. But it's also a beautiful love story. Yes, indeed. The deep attachment of Justice Holmes for his wife is something to warm the heart. 
Anne Harding brings dignity and beauty to her role in The Magnificent Yankee. And she's completely charming and very lovely, too. Of course, as you might expect, like so many famous stars I interview from time to time, she gives credit to Lux Care for her skin and just keeping it right for the cameras. Well, after all, Miss Stone, it's Hollywood's own beauty soap, you know. Oh, yes, Mr. Kennedy. And Lux Soap in the big bath size is just as popular. I know I wouldn't be without it. There's nothing more luxurious after a busy day than a refreshing Lux Soap bath. There's something special about the lather. Rich and creamy, even in hardest water. Yes, it leaves skin really fresh. Fragrant, too, with a nice, delicate perfume. No wonder screen stars prefer this satin-smooth bath cake. Thank you, Miss Paula Stone, for being here tonight. Now, here's a shopping hint for the ladies in our audience. Get the generous bath size Lux Toilet Soap tomorrow. Enjoy its luxurious lather and delightful perfume. You'll discover why screen stars... Say it makes you sure of all over Lux loveliness. Nine out of ten famous Hollywood stars use fragrant white Lux toilet soap. We pause now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Hi, this is Porchlight Music Theater's development manager, Evan. If you value programming like this, please consider making a donation today at porchlightmusictheater.org. We appreciate your consideration and hope you enjoy the show. The curtain rises on Act Three of The Wizard of Oz, starring Judy Garland as Dorothy. Well, if Dorothy is ever to get back home to Kansas... And if I'm ever to have a brain... And me a heart... And me courage... Then Dorothy must first get the broomstick of the Wicked Witch and bring it back to the Wizard of Oz. But if the Wizard knows everything, the Wicked Witch, unfortunately, knows quite a lot herself. Now, in her bleak and dismal castle, she gloats over a newly captured prisoner. Excuse me for laughing, but it was so easy to capture you that I can't help it. At least my friends got away. Toto, too. What do I care about them? It's you I wanted. You and the magic ruby slippers. I had every warrior slave in this castle on the watch for you. Now give me those slippers. No, no. The good witch Glinda told me not to. Fool that I am. I should know the slippers will never come off as long as you're alive. You, you mean... Ah. Now how shall I do it? I think I'll make up a special batch of poison. Yes, that ought to do it. Some nice, fresh poison. <laughs> look, it's Dorothy's dog. She's my lion, look. Oh, we're goners now, all right. He'll lead the witch's soldiers right here to our hiding place. No, no. He's come to take us to Dorothy, up there in the castle. We can't fail her now. We can't. I'll go. Witch or no witch, I'll tear him apart. I'll knock him cold. I may not come out alive, but I'm going in there. Oh, Lion, that's wonderful. There's only one thing I want you fellas to do. What's that? Talk me out of it. Oh, no, you don't. Come what may, we're going to rescue Dorothy. All right, Toto, show us the way. This is the room. Toto snipped her out. Dorothy, 
It's us. We've come to save you. Open the door. I can't. She's locked me in here. Tin Man, your axe. Chop down the door. But that'll make a noise in the guards. Who cares be... about the guards? We'll save you, Dorothy. We'll save you. She'll be back any minute. Hurry, please. Here goes the door. Stand back, Dorothy. We'll have you out of this castle before you can say, Jack (laughs) Ruff. The witch, the wicked witch. My little party's just about to begin. Guards, seize them, seize them. Thought you were being pretty foxy, huh? Now I've got the whole lot of you. Let's see. How shall I start the fun? You first, Scarecrow. (laughs) How about another ball of fire? No, 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 She's melting. Oh, what a world, what a world. Who would have thought that a good little girl like you could destroy my beautiful wickedness? I'm going, I'm going fast. She is gone. Look, nothing but a little steaming puddle. She did. You've killed the wicked witch. But I didn't mean to kill her. I I didn't know that water was... You don't understand. Now we're all free. She enslaved us, but now her spell over all of us is broken. All hail to Dorothy. The wicked witch is dead. Thank you, and if you don't mind, may I please have her broom? Here, take it with you. Now we can go back to the wizard. And tell him the wicked witch is dead. Onward to Emerald City. She's gone where the government's gone. I still can't believe my eyes. You've come back. Back to Emerald City. And we did exactly what the great Oz told us to do. Here. Here's the witch's broomstick. And now, if you don't mind taking us to the wizard... You see, he promised us... Yeah, yeah, promised to all your broomstick. What an unhappy situation. Unhappy? After all we've gone through... Oh, I'm glad there's no one else around to hear this. Hear what? Oh, little girl, there is no great and powerful wizard of ours. That is, I am the wizard. But... He spoke to us himself. I spoke to you. Oh, it was no great trick, a dark room, a few smoke powders. Your your own imaginations did the rest. Why, you... you humbug. Exactly. Oh, you're a very bad man. Oh, no, my dear. I'm just a very bad wizard. (laughs) What about the heart you promised Tin Man? And Scarecrow's brain. Well, anybody can have a brain. That's a very mediocre commodity. Well, I don't have one. Then listen a moment. Back where I come from, we have great universities where men go to become deep thinkers. And when they come out, they know how to think just fine and with no more brains than you have. What? But they have one thing you haven't got, a diploma. Therefore, by virtue of the authority in me vested by the Universitatis Committee, um, I hereby confer upon you... The honorary degree of T.H.D. T.H.D.? Doctor of Thinkology. Here's your diploma. 
Oh, Scarecrow, how wonderful. But, but what about me? I'm still a coward, I think. Of course not. You are merely under the unfortunate delusion that because you run away from danger, you have no courage. A simple matter of confusing courage with wisdom. <laughs> oh, joy, oh, rapture, I've got a brain. <laughs> Back where I come from, Lion, we have men who are called heroes. Yet they have no more courage than you have. But they do have one thing you haven't got. A medal. Medal? Therefore, for meritorious conduct and conspicuous bravery against wicked witches, I award you the Triple Cross. The Triple Cross? <laughs> oh, shucks. It was nothing. <laughs> you are now a member of the Legion of Courage. As for you, my galvanized petitioner, you want a heart. You don't know how lucky you are not to have one. Hearts will never be practical until they can be made unbreakable. I still want one. Back where I come from, there are men who do nothing but good deeds all day long. And their hearts are no bigger than yours. They're called philanthropists. But they have one thing you haven't got. A testimonial. Testimonial? Therefore, in consideration of your kindness, I present you with this small token of our esteem and affection. A heart. It is a heart. Just remember that a heart is not judged by how much you love, but by how much you are loved. Listen, it ticks. My heart even ticks. But, but what about Dorothy? You, uh, you still want to go back to Kansas, hmm? Oh, I do. I do. I wish I could help you, child, but I can't. You, you mean uh, I'll never get home? But it, it, it's really rather pleasant here once you get to know the place. And we want you to stay, Dorothy. You see, we love you, you and Toto. And I love you, but what am I to do? What was that? Look what's coming. A bubble. Who's been blowing bubbles around here? Hey, there's somebody in it. It's Glinda. Glinda the Good Witch. Oh, help me. Help me. But you don't need my help, child. You've always had the power to go back to Kansas. I have. Then why didn't you tell her before? Because she wouldn't have believed me. She had to learn by herself. Have you learned, Dorothy? Well, I... I think that... That it wasn't enough just to want to see Uncle Henry and Auntie M. And it's that... If I ever go looking for my heart's desire again... I won't look any further than my own backyard. Because if it isn't there... I never really lost it to begin with. Is that right? That's all it is, my dear. Now, your magic slippers will take you home in two seconds. Oh, that's, that's too wonderful to be true. Only it's, it's going to be so hard to really say goodbye. I, I love you all so much. Goodbye, Tin Man. Oh, don't cry. You rust so dreadfully. Now I know I have a heart. It's breaking. Goodbye, Lion. I know it isn't right, but I I'm going to miss the way you used to holler for help before you found your courage. 
I never would have found it if it hadn't been for you. Scarecrow? I think I'll miss you most of all. Goodbye, dear friend. Are you ready now? Yes, I'm ready. Say goodbye, Toto. Now close your eyes and think to yourself, there's no place like home. 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 No place like home. It's ain't him, darling. Oh, Henry, look, she's opening her eyes. Oh, Annie M., it is you. Yes, darling. Hello there. Can I come in? I just dropped by because I heard the little girl got caught in the big cyclone. Well, got a I... bad knock in the head, Professor Marvel, but she's coming around now. We, we thought for a minute she was going to leave us. Sure had us worried, Dorothy. <gasps> Oh, you remember me, your old pal, Hunk? Oh. And me, Hickory? You couldn't forget my face now, could you? Zeke, I, I must have been dreaming. I, I was in a place far away, and, and you, and you, and you, you were all there. We were? But you couldn't have been, could you? Oh, we dream lots of silly things, dear, when we're... No, Aunt Em, this was a real, truly live place. And all I kept saying to everybody was, I want to go home. And they sent me home. <laughs> oh, Toto, you believe me, even if nobody else does. Of course we believe you, Dorothy. Oh, well, anyway, Toto, we're home. And this is my room. And, and you're all here. And I'm never going to leave here ever, ever again. Because I love you all. Oh, Annie M., there's no place like home. Someday I'll wish upon a star and wake up where the clouds are far behind me. Where troubles melt like lemon drops away above the chimney tops. That's where you'll find me. Somewhere over the to the Wizard of Oz and congratulations to our lovely star, Judy Garland, and those remarkable characters from the land of Oz. Judy, we can't tell you how much we appreciate your giving up Christmas with your family to appear on the Lux Radio Theater. Oh, thank you, Bill, but I didn't really. You see, I brought my three-year-old, my four-year-old daughter, Liza, <laughs> says three in the script, but she's really four. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I'd like to meet her. I'm afraid you're too late, cowardly lion. Liza fell in love with a scarecrow. He's teaching her to dance. Where is he? 
Let him put up his fist. I'll fight him with one paw tied behind my back. Imagine only three uh, or four years old. <laughs> and there's two men fighting over her already. Well, that's because she's a Lux girl, Bill. Just like her mom. Well, I can see you're bringing her up right, Judy. Now what are you girls going to do? Go home and eat more turkey? Oh, no. Positively no more today. But I promised Liza if she was a good girl, I'd take her to the movie tomorrow. Well, why not take her to see Esther Williams in the Pagan Love Song? Metro-Golden-Mare's new musical. That sounds good. Liza loves singing and dancing. Then be sure she listens in next week, because we'll have another holiday special. Two of Hollywood's brightest musical comedy stars, Ginger Rogers and George Murphy. And we'll present them in Metro-Golden-Mare's recent musical screen success, The Barclays of Broadway. Oh, well, we won't miss it, Bill. Good night. Good night, Judy. And may your new year be a very happy one. Who is this Hollywood star? One of three beautiful sisters. She's written a best-selling book on charm. She's the glamorous mother of four lovely daughters. A glamorous mother of four? Uh How about Joan Bennett? (laughs) Right. And the girls are always as perfectly groomed as Joan herself. Of course, she insists on Lux care for all their washables as well as her own. Everything from dainty party dresses to two-year-old Shelley's gay cotton play clothes. Hollywood stars love gentle Lux because it keeps colors new-looking so much longer. Take a tip from Joan Bennett. Get a big box of Lux Flakes tomorrow. Give all the children's Christmas washables that lovely Lux look. Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, join me in hoping that you've all had a joyous Christmas. And be sure to join us again next Monday night when we'll present Ginger Rogers and George Murphy in The Barclays of Broadway. This is William Keeley saying good night to you from Hollywood. Our play was adapted by S.H. Barnett, and our music was directed by Rudy Schrager. Stay tuned for my friend. And how sweet was it to hear that four-year-old Liza Minnelli on stage with her mama for this presentation? Now, this wasn't the only presentation of Oz material during the golden age of radio. In 1933, Jell-O sponsored a Wizard of Oz radio series on NBC. It ran for six months, but then Jell-O decided to switch their sponsorship to Jack Benny instead, and so that was the end of Oz. And the series pretty much chronologically followed the books, getting as far as the sixth book, which is The Emerald City of Oz. Unfortunately, no copies of episodes are known to exist, but the Library of Congress holds the scripts in NBC's old records. So we were talking just about the emotional pull, the sort of evergreen quality that that The Wizard of Oz seems to have just universally for everybody who, who gets exposed to it. Um, let's talk a little bit about your both of your journeys with Wicked. Um, because you are in a show that continues this this legacy. And Sharon, as you said earlier, there's a moment in the show when things begin to, as you said, line up, where the story of Wicked begins to gel with things that the audience already walks in understanding, assumedly, from this film if they haven't read the books. Um, How did you both end up in Wicked? What was was that journey for each of you? Uh, I mean... Well, you know, I'll tell you, my agent had been an agent of Patty Dukes, and she had done the role of Madame Morrible years ago, bless her heart. um, 
And he when he saw her doing, he thought he thought, boy, when Sharon gets a little older, this is a great role for her. And so I started reading for it in 2016. Um, and then in the fall of 2018, um, I, I got cast. I, I was available and I got cast. But it turns out also um, Joe Mantello, who is the director of the piece, was a high school classmate of mine. Yeah. And so when I got up in front of him, he was like, hello, Sharon. <laughs> You know, wouldn't this be great? So for me, it it was, uh, I went to see Wicked, the very first reading at Universal Studios in Los, in, in uh, Burbank um, back in the day when it was, oh, four hours and something long, you know, uh, before they did the edits and cuts, before we knew anything about, uh, you know, the Green Girl and, it was at that time I sat through that whole sort of concert workshop version and just thought, oh, man, this is going to be epic. If this ever, you know, because you never know if something's going to happen or not, if these things will actually come to fruition, because it's years and years of work, as we all know, putting in originate, you know, uh, an original musical years and years before it sees the big Broadway. So then I was able to I was also invited to come see it in. San Francisco, which was its first inclination out of town, and then to see it with the costumes and tour all and actually touch those amazing clothes. So I've had a bit of a history with the show um, as a, as just a friend or a or a, a consumer, what have you, an audience member, well before I. You know, Heidi, you should talk. You came into this production very early on in its years. I mean, it was, I think, the the show's uh, 15 year anniversary or 18 year anniversary lately. So, yeah, it, yeah, 18 yeah I, my my journey was was quite it was quite quick. And, and not at the same time uh, when the book came out, when the Gregory Maguire book Wicked was published. uh and it was in hardcover. I was still a broke, broke, broke actor in Chicago and broke to the point where I was like, I can't buy this book. It's in hardcover. Um, but as a, you know, a quick little, little history, I have, I, my first time ever on stage was in the fourth grade. It was in a musical written by nuns and it was called finding tomorrow. Uh, little orphan Annie and Oliver twist went on a journey and met all these people. And I played Dorothy. So the first thing I ever was in, I played Dorothy and I sang Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And then I was Dorothy in Wizard of Oz in high school. I was Dorothy in The Wizard of AIDS, for which Sharon Sachs designed my costumes, pulled my costumes. Um, I I have been in a version of this forever. So I waited for that book to come out in paperback, which was years because it was such a bestseller. I read it. I liked it. I didn't love it. It's a very dense book. Um, And then I heard about this musical being written. Now, when Wicked was being written, it was sort of the dawning of high-speed internet, okay? I still dialed up for anybody out there who still remembers what that is. And so all things internet, I I didn't know. So I didn't really know anything about Wicked. Um, uh, I didn't have the cast recording or anything. I knew that it was going to be a big deal. Um, But I also had a lot of questions about how they were going to take this very dense book and turn it into a lighthearted musical. 
So I got a call from my agent when they were having auditions for the first national tour. I think Broadway had just opened and they started auditioning for the first national tour, which was going to sit in Chicago for six months, I think, or six weeks, actually, whatever, six somethings. And I, and I was, I was going on vacation with my husband and or my boyfriend at the time, husband now, and my dad. So I was like, I can't go. And my agent was like, well, this, there's a lot of buzz about this. I was like, yeah, I'm not available. So I went on my vacation. Well, apparently when they s- went to sell tickets for the Chicago sit down, which is actually the one that I was in was the Chicago sit down. Um, or no, they, they were selling to- tickets for the tour. It sold out in like half an hour. The tickets were gone. So it was the beginning of the producers, the creators of Wicked going, this is something we should explore. The set is already too big and we don't want to travel this set around anymore. We've learned that. So why don't we? It sold out so fast in Chicago. Let's see if we can get six months out of it. We'll leave the set in Chicago. Let's have auditions really fast. Have the tour go on. We'll do a sit down in Chicago. Let's do like a really fast audition for a Chicago company. It was like this weird thought process that they had. So my agent calls me back a few weeks later. He said, okay, they're going to do a Chicago sit down. Do you want to audition? I was like, sure, sure. He said, it's for the part of Nessa and for the part of Elphaba. Like, okay. So I went and I bought the cast recording. It was like, oh God, Elphaba is really hard. There's a lot. So I worked really hard on that. And I didn't look at the Nessa stuff. I did. I like, I learned the, this music, but I, I was like, I have to, this is so hard. So I went to the audition and I'm dressed in black and my hair's all straight. And um, Craig, Craig from Telsey Casting was like, you're here to audition for Nessa, right? I was like, uh, and Elphaba. And he looked at his paper. He's like, no, you're here to audition for Nessa. I was like, oh God. Okay. <laughs> well, I worked on this and he was like, well, go ahead. And, and so I, I sang like literally five bars of the wizard and I, and he was like, yeah, no, um, no, we really wanted to see you for Nessa. And I was like, Oh no, <laughs> what have I done? So I, I auditioned and I was obviously very uh, honest in my audition. Then I called my agent and was like, well, I blew that. And he was like, well, apparently not because they've already called, they're flying you to New York on Monday if you can go. This was like on a Thursday. I was like, uh, okay, okay. So I flew to New York four days later. He said the only note was maybe don't dress so goth. Nessa is a, <laughs> is a, a much more girly, you know. So I flew to New York. I auditioned for everybody. And this was, you know, early days. So everybody, Stephen Schwartz, everybody was in the room. I was in there for three minutes. Again, I thought, ah, I did everything once. I walked out. I grabbed my, I actually accidentally left my audition book in the, at Tulsi Studios. I had to call them and Kevin Goodall, a friend of ours was there. And I was like, give it to, he's a bald guy. Give it to him. He'll fly it home. By the time I got off the plane, I had that job. It was like uh, uh, kismet. Yeah. And I got to rehearse it in New York because it was the, the third company of Wicked. So there was the Broadway company, the tour company, and then us. So we rehearsed in Chicago. We, and they thought, eh, we'll get six months out of it. And it ran. So were you Munchkinland? I was Munchkinland. Yeah. That's the same tour that I'm on. Oh, wait, what were we? Were we Munchkinland? We weren't, we were 
because we weren't a tour. We were just, chi- we were shiz. Chicago we were the shiz, there shiz it is. company. Yeah, and, I was going to say. Yeah, no, Munchkinland uh, was what what we turned into. Correct. Um, so it ran for four years. I did it for two, had a one-year hiatus, and then closed it. So I did three years of the four, and it was a literal life changer. And I remember seeing it. They they gave us a ticket to go to the tour, and I was like, how are they going to – because Nessa in the book has no arms. So I thought, ooh, this is so cool. I don't have any arms. You know, how does that work? And that's not how it happened at all. And it's, it was just so thrilling to watch. Um, and even to this day, when people are like, who are you in Wicked? And I tell them, and, and they say, Nessa, Nessa. All I have to do is say, in the movie, the house falls on me. And they go, oh, yeah, I know who you are. And you're welcome. I, I love dropping the house on you. Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> so. Yeah. So Wicked in its way, obviously it has run so long and it doesn't show any signs of stopping. What do you think about Wicked has attracted audiences and the kind of affection and imprint that people keep going back again and again and again? That is very similar to the 1939 effect of The Wizard of Oz on generations closer to that film, but but certainly Wicked in its own way has done the same. And uh, we'll wrap it up with this one. You know, wh- what is it about Wicked that has the same power of, the, of Wizard of Oz? Well, as you're saying, it is the same phenomenon. It really is. And I don't, you know, you that we have these um, super fans, really people that have seen the show hundreds and hundreds of times, and they are absolutely committed And just like The Wizard of Oz, you know, seeing that as a child and finding yourself in there somewhere, whether you're Dorothy Gale or whether you're, you know, the Scarecrow or what have you, I think it must be the same thing with Wicked, that people see themselves within Elphaba or they see themselves within Glinda and this incredible uh, story of friendship and growth, this journey, but then somewhere in their body, there's already the matrix is in there for the wizard of Oz. And so, like I had touched on before, when those shows start to marry, when they realize, Oh, fuck, you know, I don't want to give things away, but when things start to meld, there's already a familiarity about it. And so you're comfortable coming to see a show that you sort of already love the characters. And then on top of that, it's a really kick butt show. It's got an amazing score that touches heartstrings, just like the wizard of Oz did, you know? And uh, I think that, that, that sort of fills in, to the phenomenon of this. It really is a rock show and it has been since Heidi did it back in that. When, when, when were you on that kiddo? 20, 2005. Yeah. Yeah. And here we are at 2021. People are leaving their homes during a pandemic to come and see this show. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, we use words like timeless, but it's timeless. It's, um, cause what's interesting to me about wicked is that the young people seeing it now probably don't know the wizard of Oz. And if they do, they've seen it once, they've seen it twice. You know, there are so many other things for them to see. 
Um, it's not a special event on TV like it was for us, but their parents, their parents did. So, and, and similar to the Wizard of Oz, the age group that, uh, that mostly falls in love with it, we keep getting them. You know, it's not like we age out. There's always going to be teenagers who are looking for something. And with Wicked... Acceptance. Acceptance. And with Wicked, what I found, particularly with the super fans, who I'm actually still Facebook... Facebook was a new thing when we started. So I accepted friend requests from people that I wouldn't necessarily do now. But I'm thrilled that I did because a lot of the Facebook friends that I have now are adults with children who were teenagers when we started Wicked. And they came over and over and over again because, first of all, the show talks about acceptance and they found acceptance in these other people at the stage door who were experiencing that with them. And it doesn't... It's a real community. It really is. And the show doesn't talk down to them. It's... and. Neither is necessarily better or worse. You're, you're either, you know, like, do I associate with Glinda who has it all beauty and money and acceptance, but, but questions her insides and Elphaba who doesn't have any of that. She's not accepted, but she finds this inner strength. And somehow these fans, these people who come see it can look at one of these two people, whether or not they're, um, non-binary, female, male, male representing, they can look at one of these characters and go, I see myself in there and, uh, and, and I am accepted and they are, accept- they are both accepted and they find each other's flaws. And the- I mean, that beautiful moment when they sing for good at the end, this friendship that is so beautiful. Uh, I mean, every night I, we, I go upstairs for curtain call and I would just watch that number. I probably watched it a thousand times and yeah, it never it's- got old. I hear it every night. Yeah. I, and I'll shoot for a thousand times. Yeah, there you go. You're going to get a thousand <laughs> times. It's going to play but, for uh, a lot more performances than a thousand in front of it. We got it. That show's going to keep running and running and running. Uh, and yeah, it's doing all that, right. It's because of, of the storytelling. How amazing is that? You're part oh, it's of so legacy, amazing. You know, of the show. Sharon Sachs and Heidi Kettenring, thanks so much for joining me to talk a little bit about all things Oz. All things Oz. All things Oz. I love it. Thank you. And to share, uh, you know, this rarity of Judy going back and revisiting it again herself. At, uh, so magical. And it's true. Let's go back to that original footprint of Judy Garland. What yeah. an amazing talent and gift to us. Yes. Thanks for being here. Theaters across the country need your support now more than ever. We hope you'll consider a donation to Porchlight Music Theater today. Just go to porchlightmusictheater.org. Until next time on Classic Musicals from the Golden Age of Radio, I'm Michael Weber.